All right. I say it every time, but I love that that intro music gets me pumped up to talk recovery every freaking single time. I I don't know if I'll ever change it. Uh, I am Scott. I am the Sober Heathen. Uh, this is the Sober Heathen podcast. Uh, doing super excited again today for another great interview. I had a great one with Jim yesterday. If you haven't found that, uh, haven't got a chance to listen to that, make sure you give uh, give Jim a listen. Uh, it was a great conversation. Brought so much energy yesterday. Today, I got Chris. Uh, this, you know, I, I, I do my best. You know, I want to get to know people uh, before bringing them on the podcast to make sure they're not psychos. And I haven't had a psycho yet, so I'm, I'm really not worried about it. But uh, just looking through his Twitter feed and, and what he sent me, super excited to talk to Chris today and have him tell his story. Chris, welcome to the podcast, man. Thank you so much uh, for taking time out of your busy schedule to share your experience, strength and hope. I appreciate you too, Scott, and thank you for <clears throat> creating the space for people to share. I mean, I think that's uh, one of the most important things that we can do today is use our unique backgrounds and whatever story uh, exists there to help, you know, in the stigma in the shame because shame kills, you know? Absolutely. That stigma, dude, it, it's finally, I feel like alcoholism is, is coming around a little bit, but uh, folks on the other side of it, um, uh, the NA crowd uh, I, I've, I've had a couple of people, one dude in particular who's struggling to find like-minded people, and uh, we, we got to rid the stigma, man. It's it, we're not bad people. We've done bad things, um, but this disease is a killer, and it's 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 warping. So, man, tell us a little bit about yourself, man. Whatever you're willing to share, and then we'll go from there. Absolutely. Just finishing that, piggybacking on your thought you just said. Um, you know, we're not uh, bad people trying to get good. You know, sure. I've always said that we're sick people trying to get well. Amen. And if there's a, if there, if we can find the inclusiveness that exists in the recovery community, we're no longer living on an Island of one. We're a part of this like great. I, I mean, it's a team. I mean, yeah. they're <laughs> in the recovery community. You don't have to look very far for help on any situation, scenario, problem, challenge. There's someone that has overcome it. Someone yeah. has experienced loss and, and survived, uh, sober through those things. Someone has experienced promotions, you know? So, I mean, I was drinking on any day that, uh, ended in Y, you know, and, yeah. and, uh, there didn't have to be a bad day or a good day, you know, it was just the way it was and, um, survival. You know, I talk about my, uh, drinking and, and using career being in three phases, you know, fun was the first phase. Fun with problems was the second phase and then just problems, you know, and well yeah. the, the, the fun stage was probably the briefest because then you know, my story is just a quick spiral out of control. You know, I, I, uh, I, I, I got, you know, drunk and high when I was 15 for the first time on the same night, you know, I, I was doing whatever was in front of me and, um, and then I was taken over. It didn't take very long. It was, I was like dry kindling, you know, and sure, it, all it yeah. took was a spark. And then I was just out there. But um, no, I appreciate you and what you're doing here with the Sober Heathen podcast. Um, how, you know. Yeah, I, I appreciate that, man. And I really like how you, how you put that the three phases. It, it's that's absolutely uh, what happened to me. It was fun. It, it, it made me something that I've always wanted to be. Um, outgoing. I could talk to women. I, uh, I felt funnier. I felt smarter. 
I felt cooler, you know, I mean, it, 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 uh, it gave me all those things. And then you're absolutely right. It was, it was still fun for a while, but there started to be issues, friendships lost, relationships lost. Um, and then, then, yeah, it absolutely ends up to be just a complete shit show at the end of it. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and, you know, I think for, for what we're doing today, um, if you, if you're okay with this, I, yeah. I, I like more of a just discussion and what we're yeah. like topics, like, Let's let's uh, let's just talk about things, and, and I'll I'll throw my story, yeah. and yeah, yeah. you throw yours in too. Hell yeah! Um, because I think that you know, in, in today's day and age, uh, with with uh, social media, um, you know, there's just so much uh, in, right in front of us, and and it and it's easy for people early in recovery that I see uh, to get lost in that shuffle, and sure. and to 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 even even in a group full of people feel isolated, especially yeah. online. It's easy to, feel, it's easy to become isolated online. Um, and, and one of the things that, that I did with, a, a, with a, a, another sober uh, person during the pandemic, uh, you know, we, we started something called the recovery clinic. It's no longer around, but we, we did that because everyone was isolated and, and, and that's, that's so, uh, devastating and, and dangerous for people in recovery, especially me. I mean, I, I've been uh, sober for, uh, you know, 15 and a half years, but going through the, the pandemic, it still was an impact on me, you know, and sure. I, I feel like I have a pretty good foundation. And so we started that clinic to, to be able to have reach in, into people's homes and, and, uh, I don't know if you've, you've, you probably have, uh, been sent messages that sometimes because of the sober heathen podcast, someone was able to have, uh, some hope and be inspired that they can, they can survive the rest of the day, yeah. uh, because they were able to hear Cause we were hearing people that were like in really bad situations, like in the dope house and they would go into a closet and listen to the recovery clinic. Cause that's the only way they could could find, uh, you know, that, that peace and, and, and hope, you know? Yeah. 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 And then in my mailbox in the last couple of weeks is just uh, mailbox DM, whatever you want to call it. Yeah. Um, some of the things that people are just sharing, you know, um, just without even knowing me is, I mean, uh, to be, to, to have people just willing to do that, you know, and, and, and maybe, you know, I'm, I'm not going to sit here and say it's me, people just need to get it out. And, you know, when I open the door to, for people to share that, you know, um, you know, that's, that's and little things like that. You're absolutely right, man. Um, just sometimes people just need to talk. And I, you know, uh, I, this recovery community on Twitter, I cannot say enough about it, dude. It's just, uh, it's crazy. You know, I, I've been in both worlds of the, the Twitter spectrum. You know, I, when I got into Twitter, it was, uh, cause of politics. And holy yeah. crap, what a what a crap show that was on on that dude. I I never felt better leaving Twitter at the end of the night putting my phone down. Um, so I switched the count and you know I got into recovery. That was during the dark days anyway for me. But getting into recovery, you know, like the the hashtags and things that are out there, yeah, it's um, uh, you know, uh, just having a little bit of hope. So you know, fifteen and a half years of recovery. That's 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 a remarkable amount of time. You know, I, I've made this podcast and I've tried to get it out there that I don't care if you have a week, if you want to come on and talk about how you got to a week. I think that is just as important as, as long-term recovery because, you know, that person with six days don't know if they can get to seven days. That person with seven days can tell how they did it, 
you know what I mean? And so I want, I want, I want a voice for everybody, but so 15 years ago, 15 and a half years ago, you know, sometimes it's hard to pinpoint what really happened and what turned the corner for you. Do you have any idea what that was? Do you have any idea what said, okay, you know what? I'm taking this and I'm going this way instead of this way today. Absolutely. I, you know, I had been, uh, I, I went to treatment when I was 20 years old and 40, 40 now. And, and so when I went to treatment, I was exposed for the first time in my life to a new way of living that I could relate to because my parents and the community coaches in high school and, and friends were, were, were trying to give me uh, suggestions on a, on a different way to live, but I couldn't ever hear that. I mean, you know, God himself could have been with a loudspeaker saying, here's the way. And just internally, I couldn't, I couldn't get there, you know, and I, I, I had to just been, be beat down uh, enough and become sick and tired of being sick and tired. We've, we've heard that before. Uh, and so there's a whole bunch of things that looking back on just one instance could or should have, uh, changed my, my course. Right. And and this is, this is, this is why it was an addiction. You know, I was driven by an obsession and a compulsion to use and put things into my body that, uh, you know, uh, coupled with an intense, insurmountable craving that I could, you know, never overcome. And so my first arrest, I ended up being arrested 14 times in one year, all alcohol related. Most people after that first arrest would be like, man, I got to look at this. I, 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 that, that was embarrassing and humiliating. I don't want to do that. Anymore. Yeah. I did that in one year, 14 times in one year. My mom used to say we went to court, like we went to the grocery store, you know, Yep. And, and she, she, my own mother said that I was an over underachiever. You know, I really knew how to lose when I would put my head down and, and, and grinded it out. Um, so I'm, my story doesn't, it isn't like, uh, Hey Scott, you, you came to me and said you, you really cared about me and that I should really look at my, uh, drinking and, and the consequences that are happening. Um, I would have cut you off and don't get in the way of my drinking, yeah. you know? Yeah. <laughs> and, and, you know, I would have defended that right. And so I look back and it was kind of a culmination. It wasn't, it wasn't the overdose that I survived. It wasn't those arrests. It wasn't the jobs I lost. It wasn't the relationships that um, meant a lot to me that, that, that were ended because of my uh, addiction. I just woke up one morning and it was like, you know, I've been selling the same story and no one was buying it. Every bridge that I had crossed was burned. And I didn't have any more people to blame. And when I looked around, it was kind of like I had this, uh, it was was kind of like I had this surveillance tape, this footage of my whole addiction. And and I was able to see it for the first time, you know, like I I push over the first domino every time. And me blaming and me being a victim to any circumstance that that would just didn't exist anymore. I was out of that denial and I could see it and it was stark, man. There was a lot of wreckage, you know, and, sure. um, but I'm grateful that I was able to finally see that because, uh, you know, you, you, you ask, can I pinpoint anything that really made a difference? It wasn't those big things. It was just, I was done running, 
You know, my, yeah. I had, I had had the right ass kicking, you know, right, right. of that night before just the right ass kicking. And then I woke up and I was like, okay, you know, and that was uh, November 19th, 2007. Awesome. Yeah. I, I want, I like to ask that question and it's almost the same every time that I ask it is it's, it's not really one thing because consequences don't do shit. Um, I mean, I, for me, uh, it was um, OWI number four and my, trying to recap my thought process. I just spent 220 days in treatment. Um, I'd got a job working at treatment um, and I was living in sober living and my time ran out. And so I was living in my truck and my thought process was, you know what? I'm just going to drink them all by myself. Nobody's going to know. I'm just going to enjoy it one more time. And then I'm going to go back to work. And I never went back to work. Uh, You know, I was passed out in my driver's seat in the parking lot, not going anywhere, but, you're in the driver's seat and your truck can start up. It's an OWI in Michigan. I don't know if that's the same everywhere. And it was after that, after, you know, I had three prior uh, OWIs and, um, you know, a divorce and loss of so many jobs, you know, none of that did it. It wasn't until that fourth OWI and I started to kind of come to in jail. You know, it was it was it was then that everything that I'd learned up until then that I started to put into practice, and you know, it it took what it took, man. I I, I don't, you know, it's it is really hard, I think, for a lot of people to pinpoint a certain point, but there are events that's that that start to lead up, absolutely. Um, yeah, I think I think uh, addiction's kind of uh, for some it's kind of <laughs> sneaky. It's like we wake up each day and you sew a piece of lead into this vest, you know, and 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 over time you you sew enough pieces of lead into that vest each day, you know, uh, days become weeks, weeks become months, months become years. When you take off that vest, it's really fucking heavy. Sure. You know, and then you're like, holy shit, I didn't realize the weight of all of these things I was carrying with me, you know? Yeah. Um, But, and and another thing for me too, was I had been trying to sell a story that it was just me. It was just about me. And, you know, that's, it's kind of comical uh, looking back because of how selfish and self-centered I was, who else would it have been about, you know, it was, <laughs> um, but I, I was finally able to see all of the, the things that um, I contributed to in the pain of other people's lives too, especially my, my mom. I mean, I really, I re- she was the last bridge uh, that I had burned. And I think that was a part of, coming to that awareness too, that, man, you know, no one is going to come, no one's going to come help me. No one's going to come save me. I was sitting in a hotel room, you know, in the fetal position crying, uh, in, in Miami, Florida, you know, and, and my mom had just, uh, told me I can't come back and live with her in Oregon. You know, I took a four and a half day, uh, Greyhound ride, from Portland to, to Miami because I was going to go sell real estate and become a mogul. But really what I was doing was doing the geographical and, and running. And yeah. um, when she told me that, I don't know where that courage came from for her to do that. Cause she was always the one that was bailing me out. And she said, son, I love you very much, but I cannot continue to watch you, you kill yourself with drugs and alcohol. And I don't know what you're going to do down there in Miami, Florida, but you can't come back here. Sure. And man, that's when I looked around, I was like, no one, no one got me here, but me, you know, I've been blaming people my whole life and, um, you know, and, and have 
been a willing participant to trade things for, for my addiction, my family, jobs, friends, relationships, you know, and it's, it's easy to think that I'm going up and putting money onto a bar and, and getting, getting a drink. Right. But it, but it wasn't that when you get into the problems phase, you're trading family for a drink, trading opportunity for a drink. You know what I mean? And, and uh, it's a lonely place. It's a lonely place. It it really is. And, and to go back to, you know, what your mom did, you know, um, that, that's huge. I mean, I can relate to that. Uh, The love of my life did the same thing. She's like, you know, we were living together. We were engaged. um, And, it got to a point where we're no longer engaged. And then it got to a point where she's like, I can't help you anymore. You know, you can't be here. You know, she, she had her son and I had my two kids. Um, and, you know, I, I think that's important for people. And I, you know, I've had Alan on people on here and I want, I need to have more. I need to find, seek these people out uh, because, you know, you're right. We do a lot of damage to these folks and um, it is okay to say no, you know, you can still love them and, and not support, you know, the train wreck, you know what I mean? Um, so I, I think that's very important to highlight that there. So if somebody is listening, that they're listening to find out more because somebody they care about is going through something, um, you know, you, you can still love them and, and, and not feed into it. Right. I mean, oh, absolutely. And I'm glad you said that. Cause you know, I started a, a an outpatient treatment center in 2018 and, and grew it into a, a, we, we ended up buying a, 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 an old high school that had been abandoned and awesome. uh, turning that into a, a detox residential. And then, so we had all levels of care. And I always say that the, the most challenging part of that business wasn't getting someone sober and giving them the message of hope that of recovery. It was working with family to yeah. encourage them and empower them to say, no, yeah. my mom said no with the with in her mind it had always been if i say no it could kill him yeah like if i really let go of him he could die and she finally was able to cross that and and not be okay with it just accept that that's the reality that i may die but if she continues to enable me she's going to love me to death right and i i i work really hard to, to try and empower families to be able to um, in a healthy way, set those boundaries, you know, like if if you want my help, I'll help you get in to, I'll say yes to treatment or yes to some form of uh, recovery service, but I'm not going to say yes to the dollar amount that you need. I'm not going to say yes to you uh, flopping in my house for the weekend because you don't have anywhere to go. I'll say if you're if you're wanting my help, I will gladly drive you to a place that that uh, can help you. So what would you say then? What would you say given and I want to talk more about what you're doing because I was looking at your your webpage and uh, the virtual treatment. I think that's great. I think that's great because there is a lot of anxiety and it talks about that on your page about, you know, the commute and getting there and, you know, all the apprehension. If you can just do it sometimes from a safe space, you you might open up a little bit more. Um but, uh, oh crap, am I going to lose my thought for real? Uh, yeah, talk a little bit more about, um, you know, 
drawing that line and supporting that way because I've had I've had discussions on Twitter where people are like, well, if you don't, you know, um, if you do it that way, you don't open your door and let them come stay at your house. If you don't do these things, they're going to die. So, and you talked about that, you know, the distinction or whatever. Um, so let's say somebody is in that mindset. They they hear what you're saying and and I agree with it. That's my approach. That's my thoughts on it too. Somebody comes to you and says, okay, well, what if I say no to them coming in here drunk high or whatever, and then they go out and they don't make it, then that's my fault. What would you say to somebody that says, you know, then, then it's on me. What, what would you say? Uh, that's a terrible tragedy in uh, 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 a devastating what if scenario. It is. It is. Um, I always say though, I mean, if we're going to play what ifs, then what if, what if I say no and they find life? You know, what if they cross paths with someone that can uh, prick their heart in a way that changes their whole mindset and they get recovery? uh, Because if I continue to enable, I'm not only allowing them to continue down that destructive path, but they're in my life creating a destructive situation for me, too. And part of what I'm saying is empowering someone to say, look, enough is enough. And I can't like my mom. I mean, just take that, for example. Um, I can't watch this person who I love dearly kill themselves with drugs and alcohol anymore. Cause it's more than just them, you know, getting loaded. It's the whole wave of uh, destruction, you know? Yeah. I, I, yeah, I know, I know you can't play what ifs. I, I, I just, you know, um, I can see the fear that people would have, like they're taking that on themselves. And that's not, you know, I, I hope people don't do that. I mean, cause you know, you, you didn't create it, you know, addiction isn't always, it gets to a point where, you know, the choice was taken away from me. It was so bad. I could not function, you know, uh, I felt I could not function, you know, I, I the shakes, or, or whatever, you know, and you used the, you used the good word earlier obsession because it went from habit, habit, it was habit in those fun times that you talked about. And then it became obsession to where it, it had to be a part of the daily routine. So I, I just, yeah. I, I, I just want people to, to know that, you know, saying okay is no, and sure there might be negative consequences to saying no, but there, there could be positives too, you know, and I, I feel yeah, like yeah. the positives. Most of the time, yeah. Most of the time they are, there are positives to that. Um, I've had to hug the necks of a lot of families that have lost their loved ones to overdose. Yeah. We know that we're, we're at, at, at an alarmingly rate of losing people to accidental overdose, a completely preventable, uh, uh, death right and it it is is just super i mean one of the one of the most heart-wrenching ones for me is there was a guy that um i had taken to a football game and here in arkansas razorbacks are like religion you know and we went together and i was helping him with his resume because he had big plans for his life. He was going to, you know, um, go out and do big things. Um, and he had went back and started using again and 
what had happened was he had planned, he had an appointment to go into treatment um, the next day, uh, but used one more time. Yeah. Ended up uh, having one of those hot spots or hidden spots of fentanyl in that dose and, and killed him. Mm-hmm. And that, you know, I, I had uh, gotten to know his family and they're just such good people. You know, they're, they're just, uh, it, and we have a hun- over a hundred thousand of those kind of stories. They're not numbers. That one situation that is, there's a, there's an unfillable void left in that. Yeah. And, you know, so empowering someone, um, just to, to try something different. We've said yes this whole time in this addiction. We've said yes to the money. We've said yes to the staying over the weekend. Just try something different. Uh, I think in, in Alan on they have the three C's. Can't didn't cause it, can't cure it, and yeah. can't change it. Yeah, I think I, I think that's it. Yep. Yep. Um, and so I think it would be natural for someone to feel fault in that. But hopefully over, uh, you know, through the grieving process, if that kind of tragedy did happen, um, they would be able to find peace at some point that there was nothing yeah. that they could have done. Yeah. They, I mean, they, in in, yeah. in, in, in uh, step groups, you know, we, we talk about no human power could have relieved our alcoholism right. or drug addiction. Yeah. You, you can't, I, I tweeted this the other day, you, you know, you, as the addict, you can't love your way out of addiction. You, you know, you can't love your children so much that it loves you out of it. Like I, I love my kids as much as anybody loves their kids, but it wasn't enough to stop it. And then with that tweet, I also said, you know, you can't be loved out of it either. You know, you have to, you have to make that choice. You have to, you have to give up. I I, I think AA says it right. You know, you have to give up you have to give in and say, I, I can't do this. I need, I need help and I need to change everything and, 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 and make that choice. Absolutely. Yeah. So, it's an inward, it's an inward look and it's always been yep. scary. You know, I, I've got, you know, the, my past today is my greatest asset, but I had to go back in there and look and take some really, uh, you know, swallow some really uh, sobering truths about myself, you know, in order yeah. to find that freedom. I, I like what you said. I, I think too, for someone in, in addiction, finding recovery is we, and, and me, this is me included. I, I, I am impatient. I want things to happen overnight. You know, I want, I want to, um, Damn. you know, it's, it's, yeah. <laughs> it's like, I'm, you know, I'm able to keep this plant alive for a month. I've got this job for two weeks. I'm ready for a promotion. So I think <laughs> I should get into a long-term relationship. <laughs> and 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 with two weeks start a podcast because I got shit to say, you know. That, sure. And and uh, so or or just go buy a house and start a sober living. You know, we just get so wrapped up in impatience and 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 yeah. So what I say is, if if a person's walked ten miles into the woods, they're gonna have to walk ten miles out. There's a long road of reconstruction. I can remember, uh, you know, going out and you know, in, in Oregon, I'd, I'd go apply for jobs and then get these interviews. And, and then I would get the job, man. They'd call me and say, Hey, you got the job pending. 
you successfully passed the background check, which would just just punch me in the gut because I knew it was going to happen. And they'd inevitably call me and say, hey, your background check came back and, you know, you can't we we can't hire you. And it was it was so hard, man. It was like here I am trying to do better and, you know, facing all this adversity. Now, looking back on that, it, 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 I'm grateful for those moments because they shaped who I am today uh, and in some resilience. And, you know, I'm I'm grateful that a broken shoelace isn't going right. to cause my life to fall apart. Right. You know, yeah. like I can stand some stuff. Yeah, a lot of a lot of great stuff there, man. That instant gratification, um, you know, that's what that's what drugs and alcohol do for us. Um you know, I, I, I can't speak on the drug part because I, I never got into that. Um, yeah, cocaine a couple of times, but it was it never attached. Thank God. But <laughs> there, there was a reason why I went for, you know, it was it wasn't just go have a couple of drinks. It was chug a half pint and then I graduated to chug a pint. And then it was wake up and get as much down to the fifth as you can to calm yourself. And then, you know, there was a time when I first started recovery and I, uh, it, it's just unreal how the mind works. I went into the basement as I did every day when I'd come home and I'd go to drink. And I was really trying this a couple of years ago. And I got down to the bottom of the basement where I always had my half pint in hand ready to go. And I just went through the motions and I unscrewed the top. There was no bottle. I unscrewed the fake bottle took the fake bottle, put it to my lips and went like this. And I swear to God, I felt something, you know? So there was, you know, there's a part of that ritual, like my body was like, Ooh, here it comes, but there was nothing there. You know what I mean? So, but I, the instant gratification. Yep. Um, I, I, I agree with that. And it's, it's really hard to be patient. I like your analogy going in the woods. You know, they, they talk a lot about, um, you know, you reach rock bottom when you quit digging and you think about that, you dig and dig and dig and dig and dig. Well, how do you get out of a hole? You got to climb out. Right. And if, if the hole's deep enough, it's you're not just going to turn around and get right out of there in two seconds. It's going to take some work. Absolutely, those are. I think you made two really great points there. Um, gosh, there was there's so you you talked about. Uh, did your did your website and your Twitter feed have you? I, I want to make sure I'm not crossing guests here, and I I'm not going to edit, so I'm going to sound silly. But Narcan, um, you talk a lot about Narcan on your on your, on your webpage. Um, I, Narcan is life-saving. Uh, talk a little bit about that. Do you mind talking about that? Because not a lot of people really understand what that is. Yeah, no, it's uh, naloxone. That's the Narcan is the uh, brand name for naloxone, and naloxone reverses an overdose and allows someone to um, have a chance. It, it, I call it the Lazarus drug. I mean, it literally brings people back from the dead. You know, and wow, I've, I like that. I've had people, yeah, yeah, I've had, you know, we, in the treatment center, uh, that, that I ran and founded, I, uh, we would have trainings on Narcan and and then we would give people, um, the opportunity to carry it with them. And one of, uh, you know, I, I I had a staff member that happened to be doing some peer support recovery work at a, a local sober living, uh, and someone was overdosing in the bathroom and she ran out to the car, um, this is literally, uh, you know, a day after our training and she had Narcan and she was able to, uh, save that person's life. Wow. Um, now my thing next, what I'm going to say at the risk of pissing off all the harm reductionists, 
you know, that this, this, this is a huge debate. I'm not, I don't want to get into that. Sure. Um, but, you know, naloxone keeps someone, uh, can, can, naloxone can give someone an opportunity to find recovery. Now, um, that's not the only thing that we should be saying. It's because there's a big what next, right? If right. someone is, someone's uh, saved via Narcan, uh, they're taken to an uh, uh, emergency room at a hospital. There needs to be next steps. There needs to be some clear next steps. There, there's got to be some support in place to say, "Hey, um, if you're open to this, let's let's go right now. Let's get let's let's get you some place that can yeah. um, help help build a foundation for for a new way of living." And yep. so we shouldn't stop at Narcan. And a lot of times uh, that 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 is a, a misconception that that's, that's where it is. That's where it ends. Like if, right. you know, there's not a lot of discussion after, like, I'm always like, what next, you know? Right. No, that's great. That, that's great. Yeah. And, 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 um, you know, I, I, I'm trying to become a part of this coalition in my area and they're trying to go around to businesses and, and, and get them on board with keeping Narcan on, on hand, kind of just, you know, with the, with the first aid kit, um, because it, it can save lives, man. It, it is very it important. It, so it, it really, it does. Uh, and it, it's a tool in a toolkit, right? Yeah. It just, it's an EpiPen. It's, it's a, a defibrillator. Um, and, you know, Arkansas just passed a law where we're going to require high schools and colleges to have awesome. the life-saving drug right next to, you know, the, what the AED, you know, yeah. someone's having a heart thing. So um, it, it, there's no reason not to, in my opinion. I mean, I was on, right. um, I was on uh, depression meds that every time I took a P test and, 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 um, and treatment, it, 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 the quick test popped me for benzos every single time, but it was because of the meds I was on. So one time in this very room where I'm sitting today, um, my great grandmother found me passed out and non-responsive, uh, the MTs came, uh, at least four times in one month, but that's, you know, that's my story I've told before, but anyway, they took me down. They, they must've done some sort of test. They saw the benzos in my system and they Narcan me because I was non-responsive and it didn't do anything to me because it wasn't that. Yeah. So, but the point is they used it thinking that it was something, it didn't hurt me. It did nothing to me. So why, why not, why not have it available and use it? So I, I just, I saw that on there and I, I don't know enough about it, but I want, I want people to know that it's not a scary thing. It will save lives. And that's why I wanted just to bring it up briefly. Cause you seem to, uh, you know, I mean, you're the, you clearly the expert on it compared to me for sure. Yeah, I mean, I've seen it firsthand, and it works. Uh, I've seen it more than one should. Um, more than one would want, probably. <laughs> exactly. So, you know, you know, former clients of mine going into a, you know, a restaurant and, you know, just finding a bathroom. That's where, you know, that's where we go, you know. And yeah. um, because of that drug was available, they, they get to live today, even, even after uh, multiple times. I mean, I think that some, sometimes, you know, due to the stigma and kind of just throwing your hands up, you know, we have, we have, or, or maybe they're just hateful people. They're like, how many times is it going to, you know, uh, 
maybe they just need to die because they, they can't yeah. learn. I interviewed someone on the recovery clinic that had been, uh, had overdosed like 12 times. And well, God, if we had just snuffed out that light, they wouldn't be here anymore doing the good work that they're doing. I mean, they're, they're in the recovery community and, and recovering loud and proud, you know? And, yeah. um, and so just having that awareness, um, is, is good too. I think, you know, getting into this part of the discussion, it's important to note that there's not one answer, right? Because there's not one problem. There are multiple problems, Scott, you know that this is a complex addiction, the addiction crisis, the mental health crisis, whatever you want to say, the opioid crisis, uh, is a multifaceted complex problem. It deals with the drug trade. It deals with drug policies it, it deals with uh, government on the, the federal, state, and local levels. It yes. deals with the recovery community. Um, and, and, you know, I kind of want to touch on just the recovery community in and of itself is, God, we can be some judgmental pricks, you know? Like, yeah. don't shoot our wounded. If there's someone down that's trying something uh, Amen. that doesn't look shiny and uh, cool, don't don't discourage them from trying to, to say something about recovery. I mean, uh, we, we, we shouldn't have that, all that infighting that's going on, you know, and you see it between, um, your abstinence people versus the harm reductionist people. I mean, that's just the one clear example. Yep. Yep. Yeah. And yeah, I, I, Dude, I could talk to you all day. Yeah, I know it's frustrating. We're losing people it's, at a, in an alarming we are, rate, right? We, we and are, so and there's there's a lot of emotion. It's and, and, and it, there is, and that's it's okay to be emotional. It's okay to have that. You know, you want to help people, but to argue about it and to say that you know, you're right. You know, the harm reductionists versus the people that are just just stop. You know. There is no one way to do this, and we got to stop pretending that there is. It's a case. It's almost a case by case basis. That's why it's yeah, frustrating. It it is, but that's why it's so important for people like you to be willing to come on and share this, and 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 we get this out and acknowledge that and and make that mainstream. It's you know the only people that I don't get along with in the recovery community are the ones that are saying this is how I do it, so this is how it needs to be done. This is how you did it. This is what worked for you. Tell everybody that and then let them work it out for themselves. You know, give them feedback or whatever. But, you know, my biggest pet peeve is people get on on, on social media and they're like you just said, shoot or wounded. Like, well, you just need to do this. Dude, have you met this person? This might be the only thing that this person was able to do to reach out and ask for help or to say something. Yeah, you know, I've seen so many people in the last couple of days talking about wanting to kill themselves. And you, you don't know that they don't have anybody to go talk to uh, out in the real world. They might, like you said earlier, sitting in a closet, you know, crying their eyes out. And the only thing they were able to do was send out a tweet. You know, I, I want to, I want to, I want a hand being reached out. You know what I mean? I, I, I don't, I, we all know when we get to a certain point in addiction, that what we're doing is not good. I don't, you know, yes, there's tough love. And we talked about that earlier with our families, but I don't need a stranger to tell me that I'm fucking up. I know that when I'm reaching yeah. out for help, I, I, I'm just, that's what I'm doing. Yeah. I think too, it, it, it's just difficult because you have 
yeah, no, some people aren't going to, they don't have a circle to go to. They don't have a support yeah. system. So they reach out virtually online in hopes that maybe they don't have to put a, 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 a bullet in their head today. You know, maybe that's the only thing. And we don't know that. Yeah. Um, but even, you know, I, I mean, I can get into, you know, when I, when I don't stop and breathe and really just like, all right, what can I pack into the stream of life today? That's positive. Yeah. Sometimes I really have to do that and focus on it. Cause I can get caught up in this kind of stuff. Too, I know, you know? That's I what know. I want to talk about is because I don't want to make, uh, I don't want to, I want to make sure everyone has a chance yeah. to find their own path. And some paths are wide. Some paths are well-trodden and there's like, you know, evidence that says if you go down this path, you have a good chance to, to, to build a foundation that's sustainable in recovery. Yep. And then there's some of these like, uh, you know, eat some ketamine, some, some not well-trodden <laughs> paths or some psychobilla, you know, the, the <clears throat> mushrooms. Yep. Psychedelics. This is a new psychotherapy, right? And, but who's to say that's not going to find have someone you know find a path their yeah. path? Um, yeah. But I I can understand when we're losing all of these lives to to preventable overdose, and that doesn't talk about the people that are lost in addiction. I mean that, yeah. that are still alive, and we're we're talking about a huge number of people, and you know and the families are suffering, communities are suffering. Um, it doesn't doesn't uh, go to say that. I don't even know what I was going to say. Um, <laughs> I lost my train of thought. <laughs> That's all right, man. That's all right. We talked about that yesterday on the podcast with with um, uh, with the guy that I had on yesterday, Jim. And it's well, you know, you're, it's yeah. just gone. But you know what? Maybe, maybe uh, I, you know, there's there's a few brain cells still kind of damaged from my use. But um. <laughs> yeah, well, it, it, you know, it, I think I think you know that keeps it real, man. You know what I mean? Like we're just have we're two dudes having a conversation and hopefully somebody can listen and, and hear something, you know, we all have brain farts. So it, it is what it is. Um, I, I, I think, you know, there's, God, dude, there's, there's so much, uh, I just, I, I really enjoy the way that you present yourself and clearly, you know, the things that you're doing on the outside of here, I mean, you were able to, and I, I don't want to keep you too long. I want to keep this, you know, I, I know you got things to do. Um, you've came so far in these 15 years, uh, you know, you have gotten everything expunged. Is that, is that correct? Is that what you told me? You've, Aside from DUI, work? I mean, Oregon law, uh, they, they can expunge everything except the DUI. I don't know why that exists. Otherwise it would be. And then um, I, I received a pardon from the governor of Oregon. I, I changed the doctor's prescription uh, from a one to a four after a car accident for Vicodin. I changed a one to a four and, you know, it was just one of those Hail Mary situations and sure. um, knew, knew I wasn't going to get away with it, but, you know, had that little half a percent chance of what if maybe it works. Sure. But I was struggling. I, I was, you know, I needed a lot of help. And anyway, so that, yeah, a lot of time has passed since then. Uh, and, and, you know, I have a, you know, I'm grateful. I have a daughter that's 11 who's never uh, seen me awesome. use um, but I was also grown up in a, in a grown up in a world where really hasn't seen any of the like other destructive things that take place. You know, she's she's been able to be a kid and not a lot of us um, can say that, um, you know, I, I grew up in a very unpredictable alcoholic home 
And, you know, I, I'm just grateful that, that my daughter hasn't yeah. had to experience that. Um, I didn't graduate high school. I uh, was ordered by a judge to get a GED. And that was very awesome because later on when uh, I wanted to go to college and, and do something, I had that GED, you know, right. and um, was able to do that. And I always say the community college experience and in getting uh, my little two-year degree is my most important because that's the one I didn't believe I could get. Sure. It took an army of people supporting me, encouraging me and sustaining me every step of the way. And then I was able to go on and, you know, um, get, get a formal education for myself. Yeah. Uh, just what you've been able to do, man. And in, in 15 years, uh, it's, it's, it's amazing. And, you know, it, it don't mean nothing coming from a stranger, but to read stories like this, you know, I, I had eight months of sobriety today and this is the longest. Awesome. Yeah. That's the longest I've ever had. I've been working on it for years. I've been, you know, I, I never really wanted it. You know what We're I mean? Our I, tenth second chance, right? <laughs> yeah. I never wanted it until this last goal, but you know, I was, I was dabbling, I guess, if you will. And, and so today, you know, I'm feeling pretty good about this and to see stories like yours, um, you know, it, it's very inspiring, man. And, and to Thank see you. this. And you this. absolutely should feel good about this and look at yeah. what you're doing. Like, I think, I think a defining moment, I'm going to, you know, at the risk of stepping out on a limb and being wrong, what you're doing with this podcast is part of your purpose. Sure. Maybe, you, found, <laughs> you, you know, you found, you don't know who you're reaching yeah. with this and, um, but it's definitely contradictory to the way you used to live sure. in secret and in shame. Now you're out here, you know, giving people a platform and uh, yourself to share uh, this story. Like we're talking about things that were extremely painful and devastating. Right. Yeah. And we're talking about them openly yep. uh, because we've healed from a lot of that. Yeah. You talked about putting the lead in the vest, right. And that weight to let go of these things and live just, you know, an honest life, you know, everything that I did and hid from my ex-fiance, she, she now knows. And, you know, and I'm, and I'm making these amends as I go and it's freeing, dude. It, it life, the weight is not, I don't wake up and like, Oh my God. All right. So what did I say yesterday? What did I do last night? All right. So I have to do this in order to make sure that this looks like it was real. And, you know, I mean, I, and I talked about it yesterday, I went as far dude as to pretend I tripped over a cat to fake, brain shit going on in my head you know what i mean so not having to do that is 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 so freaking freeing and 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 it's i mean it's a whole new life dude you know there, and, yeah there's there's just a lot of insanity in addiction and 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 we think of these ways you know i talk about my solutions to my problems were always worse than my actual problems you know like i had a you know a a, a shift at work that i was trying to do and then i was like man i really don't want to be here. And I really want to get high. And so instead of finishing the shift, which would have been the easier route, sure, I smashed my hand with a pallet mm. to get out of work. <laughs> they sent me to the hospital for x-rays. They did not give me any Vicodin, which was what I was wanting. Oh. They sent me, they sent me back to work in a sling with uh, <laughs> ibuprofen. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I mean, it's just crazy how, how I used to live, you know, I, I, 
before before alcohol touched my lips and this and it, you know it shows that this thing starts earlier than that uh whatever it uh, world of warcraft came out i'm a huge gamer and i called into work after requesting the day off and they told me no and i called in and i was going to get fired my boss called and said you know you better call me back to see if you still have an effing job because i called in at, at, because this game was coming out and so I went and I took an old doctor's receipt. I went to the doctor's office and asked for um, an invoice from a previous visit because I needed it for something. I don't even remember what it was. I went, I, I, I whited out the date, took it to a copier place, changed the date, <clears throat> took it in, borrowed crutches from a buddy, wrapped my ankle up, took the invoice into work, said, oh, yeah, I rolled my ankle. At, at, I was coaching at the time at ba- basketball practice. And she's like, oh, my God, I'm so sorry. You know, here I thought you were just doing this for a game. Then I I proceeded to have a beer bottle cap in my sock for the next week so I wouldn't forget to limp at work. What in the world, dude? The effort that that took, if I could use that power for good, holy crap. You know, it's, yeah. it is insanity. It is, That's it's funny insane. how you held yourself accountable to to. For the lie, you know. <laughs> right. <laughs> yes. No, that's what I talk about all the time. Is like if you know some some people, uh, you know, you go on TikTok and and here's what I, I know what I was going to say now when I lost my train of thought is awesome. you know w- you know we can trade addictions. I mean, it's is fairly easy for someone that's you know have a, has an addictive personality. The dopamine hit that you get mm-hmm. from like a- attention. You can that can cause someone to 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 relapse and go back to using, you know, like they chasing the clicks, you know, chasing the yeah. likes. Um yeah. and and I see a lot of that. And so what I was gonna tell you is like I got a, I got self-regulation, you know. Sometimes when when I see stuff out there, I've got to like hold back and like just refrain yeah. from pen and tongue, you know, and my thumbs, like just don't even engage in that. Um because I don't know the driving force behind that person and what they're doing with their motivations. Right. And they don't need a lesson from me. I'm not, I'm not their teacher or mentor. You know what I mean? And so most of the time I'm good on that. (laughs) Um, But like, you know, so someone reaching out for help online is so hard. I find that there's a lot of courage in that because we know what the internet is, right? There's so many trolls out there. And, you know, you, you risk like saying, Hey, I need help. I want to kill myself. You risk someone saying, we'll do it. Yeah. You know, some troll out there. And so it's, it's very difficult. What what I want to call out is this, you know, we can sensationalize things and, you know, with, with with respect to recovery, um, just because I stop using and drinking doesn't mean my life's going to get good. Actually, that's when alcoholism made its appearance. When I was stone cold sober, yep. that's when alcoholism really appears. Uh, and that's what I have to work on healing, work on solving. And so when I see things like the before and afters, which is, which, which are great. People are wanting to say, look what I look like. And then, but without any context, context added to to that if that's all it is that's a false narrative saying all i have to do is stop using and i don't right. look like this person in three weeks later i'm taking a selfie in a mirror with makeup on all right i'm yep. talking about men too 
<laughs> oh, I, I know, dude. I, I, uh, I, I, you know I've, what I mean? So, yeah. you know, in, in, and if that's all I have, yeah. okay. But please, like, it, it, you know, please have a community that where you're, you know, I want, I want to see where you, uh, you know, you're talking about how you show up for work on time and you keep a job, you know, because I was totally unemployable. Yeah. That's what I'm going to relate to. Show me how you, um, put together uh, your life in a way that has enabled you to find some success. And that's the stuff that I'm interested in, you know? And, and I think a lot of people crave that genuine raw um, recovery. Like, Hey, I'm out here struggling. I'm out here, yeah. but yeah. I'm not going to give up. You know, yep. I went, you know, that, that treatment center and I haven't really shared publicly about this just because, um, there was a lot of pain involved in it, but I'm not all the way. I, I'm really good at defending you, <laughs> right? I, I know you're. But going. I'm not. I'm not all the time good at sticking up for myself. Yep. And I don't want to like you know muddy the water, you know. But you know that that treatment center that that I was involved in, you know, that the, the ownership got together and they uh, they cut my head off and and. I, I, I felt betrayed, you know, and I was, uh, I was going through a tough time, a personal, uh, divorce. And months later, uh, after a, a lot of that stuff, uh, let me back up. When I went through a divorce, the recovery community went on this whisper campaign. They wanted to know why. So, that, and, and I wasn't sharing anything. So they started making shit up, you know, and, um, it was, it was very difficult uh, that I had found myself in a position where I was uh, the topic of conversation and people speculating, which I get that we do, you know, that, you know, especially online, there's, um, you know, we tend to just go after the gossip, right? What's the juicy drama of the day? And I never thought that I would be that. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You know? And so, going through a divorce and find, you know, finding a new dynamic with my daughter and working with my ex-wife to become co-parents uh, um, is difficult enough, but to have people like really attacking you uh, really sucked. And, you know, I got into the business of uh, treatment to help others. I was seeing this old antiquated treatment landscape in Arkansas that was cold and sterile. And, um, it was just because this is the way it's always been. And I wanted to disrupt that. And we did. And like I said, we, we, we totally, uh, changed how we approached addiction in Arkansas. And, and, and I love that, 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 and, and it's still around, you know, and, um, and, and that, that's just a testament to what, uh, that we did when, when we started it. But, um, Man, it, it, going through that and having your integrity attacked and character and, you know, just people believing blindly that, yeah. you know, this is the way it was. But, um, you know, just categorically false. Like, I don't know if you've ever been on the other side of that where people are saying things about you and to you um, and they're just not true. And, and there's just, there's, they're baseless attacks. Right. Yeah. And, and so going through that, 
you know, I, I, uh, actually ended up going to Peru by myself to, to hike Machu Picchu and just to try to get away and find some solitude, you know, and I'm grateful that I had the resources to do that. Yeah. And, and I was really angry, um, and, and afraid and, and down and, you know, it was out there, uh, in the Andes mountains that I was like, you know, really was able to go internally and be like, you know, this same recovery community that, and it's, it, it was a small, smaller group of people than I make it, you know, because sure. my, my mind wants to magnify things. Yep. Um, but it's like the same people that I have like really dedicated my life to helping and, and serving now is now here, here it is. Are you still willing to help this community in spite of the things being said? Yeah. And that was my biggest thing. Cause I wanted to leave. I wanted to run away from my, you know, I, I've got an accounting degree. I've got a, a background in higher education and I could just totally leave this community and say, screw them and, and go out and do other things, you know, yeah. and make a lot more money. There's not, there's not a lot of money in, in you, we get paid in a different way, right? I get Absolutely. paid. I get, my gold is when I see someone turn their life around and they graduate college or they do something that they get, a, they get their record expunged or they get that job that they want. You know what I mean? Right. I do. Um, and, and so that's how we get paid. And so I'm out there in the Andes mountains and I'm like, do I run, do I just say this, this population isn't, isn't worth it anymore just because there's some adversity now. Like it really challenged me to think like, what did you really, why did you really start that treatment center? Right. And man, it, it, in that moment, of bitterness was born uh, a renewed energy to serve the community of recovery. Um, and it, it doesn't matter because it's bigger than me. People, right. people are still lost and afraid in addiction and experiencing tremendous challenges. Um, and so crossing that bridge in my heart was, was important. Um, in spite of all of those other things that were said that were completely untrue, you know, I, um, without, you know, getting into that, that stuff, um, just a messy business deal. I wasn't protected. I was naive to the fact that, you know, I'd started this thing and, um, you know, everybody, uh, joining is, is on the vision and mission that I have. And that just wasn't true. I wasn't, uh, protected as well as I thought I was in, in, in that business relationship and, and paid that price. And I, I joke today that Harvard business couldn't have given me a better education in that <laughs> if I went <laughs> right. and got a master's in business from them, you know, that hard, hard knocks of life. But, but anyway, I say all that to say that that renewed energy and that renewed effort, uh, has been, um, put into this virtual space that you're talking about. Um, and, and it's funny when you look back, you're like, you know, the, the spiritual nature of recovery, uh, being bigger than we are, you can look back and see where those, uh, little nuggets were laid or those little seeds, like during the pandemic, 
I started that recovery clinic with, that, with, with, with uh, uh, a friend of mine. Um, so I had a little bit of taste to the virtual space and saw the value in it. And then we also had to blend recovery, uh, our, our treatment uh, in, in person and virtual, right? Yep. And so uh, all of those little seeds started to bloom. And, and my focus now is the reentry population. You want to talk about adversity. You want to talk about challenges. People coming out of prison and yeah. and uh, and jail don't have a fucking chance. My language is strong there. That's fine. With without uh, without an amazing amount of support. Yeah. But these are the forgotten ones. These are the ones that have that shame and stigma attached to them that they, they shouldn't have done what they did. Right. Yeah. Um, but, but I wouldn't be where I'm at today without people seeing past those mistakes yep. and seeing the human and seeing the person and the potential to invest in me and to give me certain truths about myself that were hard to swallow. Sure. And then it was up to me to reflect on those and make adjustments in my life. And so I, you know, I, along with uh, someone else started, you know, something called Wellfi health and peer connection. Those two are separate. One's licensed therapy for people online. And then the other is peer support. It's a network of peer connect, peer support specialists that you can uh, engage with real time or you can schedule. Um, and we, we didn't really talk about, the power of lived experience. But when someone comes out of prison, they're a little crispy, right? Sure. They're a little raw. They're not, you know, they're not, uh, they're at the beginning. They're like me. I mean, I was that unlovely, unlovable creature, so to speak. Uh, And, and I'm hard to help. The people, you know, I had, you know, I had therapists that, that tried to help me in their vein during our, uh, you know, during our therapy session, their vein started coming up because they're so angry. They couldn't get anywhere with me. We're difficult. Um, But what a peer support specialist can do is they can go in there and build that rapport within minutes because, because you and I can say, I just spoke to a hundred people that were incarcerated there in this like this program, this treatment program, it's like in between They're, They, if they can finish this program, they don't have to go to prison um, due to the technical violation, right? Gotcha. They're on parole. They ended up getting high. So they have an opportunity to go into this treatment program. They're still incarcerated, but it's a, it's a last ditch attempt. So they don't have to go back to prison. Right. We, we, so we saying, call that drug court around here. Right, these that. people are still incarcerated. Oh the, not, yeah. 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 Okay. Drug, we have drug courts too. Or I'm not. I'm sorry. Not drug court. Um, I'm sorry. Not drug court. It's it. Uh, never mind. I, I think it's something else. There. It's it's. Yeah. I'm thinking of something yeah, completely you, else. Yep. Um, it, community corrections runs it, and it, it's kind of a treatment. But um, you know, talking to them and sharing the story is when when I can share openly and raw, I connect because yeah. it's truth. Right. Um, what we try to do with the probation and parole officers is the same thing for the for people coming out of prison and incarceration is they're supposed to serve as a mentor and help. Right. The second we put a gun on their hip, though, it, we, we lose all of the the 
um, walking hand in hand, right? They're no, I mean, I, it's hard. It's just, it's just the way it is, man. It, it's hard to trust and, and be vulnerable with someone um, about my life situation and what's going on when they can put me in jail. Right. I can, I feel like I'm going to incriminate, you know, there's a criminal thinking and there's criminal code, right? Inmate code that exists. And, you know, and that's a separate topic of helping people get over that and, and finding uh, different ways to, to think and operate. Um, but, you know, peer connection is meant to do a critical part of recovery, especially with the reentry population coming out. It's to connect in the very beginning and to build the, the, the trust that is so vital because when it's Saturday night and it's eight o'clock and I get in a fight with my old lady and I want to get high, I'm not going to call my probation officer. I'm not going to call the judge. I'm not going to call, Yeah. you know, yep. but peer connection you can, you can call and engage right away. Yeah. I think if I, if I haven't made an attempt. And so if I have not built my recovery circle yet, if I'm not doing some other things that are available, if I'm not, you know, and so what, what I, what, what I did was connect, you know, are you familiar with monitoring services? Like they call them offender management systems. And it's a way <laughs> for me to virtually check in with my probation officer and parole officer. Oh, okay. That's cool. Um, no, I, I'm and, not. Yeah. Yeah. So there's these software apps and uh, people that are, you know, under supervision can't, instead of having to drive, if they don't have transportation that, and, and it, it removes those technical violations. Right. Cause I don't think the parole or probation officer wants to send people uh, back to prison based on right. some of this stuff, but by law they have to. And so um, these monitoring services exists to, to reduce some of those things. Well, everywhere in the country, you know, has some sort of supervision monitoring system with their community corrections department, but none of them have connected recovery support services to these monitoring apps. And so we're the, one of the first, uh, we, we are the first to my knowledge to, to marry those two services to have available for, uh, people coming out of uh, prison and jail. And uh, it's one of those low hanging fruit items. And it just is like hidden in plain sight or just makes sense. It's common sense to do that. Yeah, that I mean, we have awesome. a captive audience yeah. and, and, you know, and we know it works. So, and it does. Yeah. That, that sounds awesome. You know, the, the uh, you know, sponsorship is great, but you're shoehorned into one, one avenue, you know, you're, you're locked into the, uh, the AA if you're going in the sponsorship. Um, but peer recovery coaching is, is starting to pick up steam here in my area. And that's the, you know, that's the peer recovery. I mean, you're, you're talking with people who get a certification that can be recognized. Not everybody recognizes it, but you can get that certification. You're talking to people that are just like you. And, you know, what I like about that, um, when I got into it is it is that multiple pathway thing. It's like, okay, you know, a lot of people already know kind of what they need. So instead of telling them, this is what you need to do, let's talk about what you need and I'll help you get there. I'll walk that path with you. I'm not going to tell you wh- which path to take and, and how to do it. We'll kind of walk it together. And I think that is very important. So that is awesome that, that, uh, you're part of that and, and promoting that. Um, 
Yeah, no, I'm, I'm grateful to hear you say that because it, through shared decision making uh, and, and kind of being on the same foot and, and you know, because what a peer recovery coach does is advocates on yeah. behalf of that person, especially, I mean, in this particular uh, situation, <clears throat> um, but through lived experience yep. is, is how I, you know, get to the other parts, right? Like, I, I have been blessed with sponsorship that didn't try to be my God when they didn't have an experience or when they didn't have knowledge of a certain situation that I was facing, they directed me to someone else. And I think sometimes we just get into playing attorney, playing doctor, playing therapist on, on somebody uh, when we don't have business doing that. And, yeah. and as far as, you know, a sponsor is concerned, uh, really, when it comes to what you mentioned, uh, you know, the 12 step community is it's just in, in the way that it was designed is just to take someone through the steps. That's it. Yeah, that's it. It's yeah. to show me these things and how you have recovered as a way of yes. applying these that's, things. That's the key but word. Too there. many times we cross into and I get too personal into your life and. That's um, dude. Start making suggestions and recommendations. And that's and that's where <clears throat> that's where the A goes wrong. You know, it doesn't say sponsor at all in the first 164 pages, which haven't changed since Bill W. wrote it in 1930s. So that the ego gets in the way, and that's one thing they're trying to tell you to get rid of, right? And you know, I had a sponsor that that uh, that told uh, my ex fiance that I was offering sexual favors to women for alcohol, and. You know, he still hasn't responded to me when I got out of treatment and found this out. You know what I mean? You talk about you know, people saying things behind your back. This is my sponsor. This is the guy that was supposed to be there for me, you know. And I didn't, you know, when it was brought to my attention by my ex-fiance, I was like, I don't think I did that. You know, I was drunk a lot, dude. You know what I mean? I looked through my phone. I looked through the messages to see, did I do that? Who the hell did I do that to? Like, I couldn't think of one person that I'd be like, hmm, maybe that one. But anyway, long story short, you know. That's that's the danger of that. They become your God. And I think that's a really good way to put that because they start telling you this is what you need to do. This is who you need and start to dictate, you know, these things in your life. Now, it's worked for some people. So I'm 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 pro AA because it does work. But I'm also, you know, I want to be logical about it. It's not for everybody. And I'm not going to tell anybody that they need to do it this uh, a certain way. Um, you know, a couple of things that you, you touched on and I'll, I'll get you out of here. Um, no, so you keep- I mean, we. That's okay. as long as you want. Right on. Uh, the virtual thing, I think, is very important. Um, when COVID hit, I was going upwards of nine meetings a day with the, my first sponsor, you know, as far as like Zoom goes. So uh, that really opened a lot of things. I never thought that I'd be in an AA meeting in like Brazil, but I did because of the virtual aspect. And I, I'm really glad that we're starting to embrace that and, um, and, and giving people opportunities to be able to do things from home. Um, the, the value that we get paid in different ways, you know, I don't have an income right now <laughs> because my license is not, a, I, I live out in the middle of nowhere. That may be you know, harder for you to accept me saying that. <laughs> no, no, I'm agreeing with you because these, these, these tweets and these messages that I get of people that have listened to the podcast, you know, I, I am rich in other ways that I've never been before in my entire life, you know? I always say that, you know, I have no license. I haven't seen my children in person in over a year. I talk to them on the phone every day. Uh, I lost, 
you know, uh, my, my fiance, uh, the love of my life. Um, you know, I, you know, I'm living back home basically, you know, uh, with the woman that raised me, but my life is still better than it was before. Cause I'm not carrying all that weight. Like we talked about. And, you know, um, I have hope. Yeah. That like you, every time I get an email, I'm like, Frick, another, another shot down. No, thanks. You know, but I have hope that it's going to turn the corner. I have hope because people like you come on and share and you've had success. And, you know, I'm, I'm starting to get that thing, you know, where I, I'm thinking a little bit uh, better about myself, you know, like maybe I won't be able to do all the things that you've done, but I, I am worthy of doing good, good things and potential to do great things. And that's something I never had before. And I wouldn't trade that to go back to be making the money that I was making in my addiction days and somehow faking it and making it, you know what I mean? Yeah. So I, I just, I, I just, it, 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 the, the recovery port, support, that thing that you're talking about that you got going on there, dude, that is, that is such a big deal. I think, I think, I think that is instrumental in saving lives. Absolutely. And, and so you have Wellfi, which is your virtual, um, therapy. Your, virtual therapy right and then what was the other one called it's called peer connection peer connection okay yeah i I haven't seen really anybody try to organize the movement that is peer recovery and so we're 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 wanting to be like the uber of peer recovery right hell yeah on demand if you need help we're here and so it's building building a network and having a having a uh uh a population of peer peer supports that are trained. You awesome. know, they have a certain level of training and, and credential that they know not to step in. They know boundaries. There's symmetrical sure. guidelines. You know what I mean? So it's, yeah. it's lived experience is the key, right? The right. fact that I can use my unique asset that is my past uh, in, in this situation with some other things that uh, create the professional uh, uh, capacity that, that peer supports have um, is, is something that has been really cool to be a part of. Um, I, I want to touch on what you were saying too, is like, you know, it's when we're, when you're living what you're living, it, it is difficult sometimes to have that, that vision outside of like, okay, what, what happens after? I mean, is this ever going to end? I had a guy, a mentor, you know, beat into me that life is not a continuation of present circumstances. Mm-hmm. Life is not a continuation of present circumstances. It, it, it changes. Things will change. And, and I can say truly and genuinely that I am grateful that I am no longer a part of that company I founded. That has taken a while to get to. Sure. And I'm grateful that they are still operating and helping people overcome addiction. Um, and I'm humbled to have founded that. It, yeah. You know, all of that other stuff, the messy, you know, I, I did spend my time in resentment. And, you know, and in fact, I played with a lot of fire when it comes to I, I, I was at the casino uh, for, for a few months and just trying to cope, man. And, um, I look back and it's like, you know, sometimes 
getting through something that's very difficult isn't going to be perfect. You're going to make mistakes along the way. And one of the things that's constant, though, is I am not alone. I'm not living on an island of one. And that is why I was able to survive that. And it didn't have to put a gun in my uh, bullet in my head or, uh, uh, you know, I didn't have to go back and, um, you know, drink and use again. Yeah. You know, that's the constant that has been in my life since, since I found recovery is that I'm together. I'm connected. Now I can run for the cliff, but the way I've built my recovery foundation is I have tangled my life up with you because I know sometimes I do want to run for the cliff, you know? Yeah. But I have tangled my life up with you in a way that it's very difficult for me to cut all those ties with, with my recovery uh, community. And so by the time I do get to the cliff and I'm looking over the edge, I don't want to jump anymore. You know, right. yeah. and that's intentional. We need to be intentional. Recovery doesn't just happen when I, you know, I wake up and everything. No, it is intentional. I have to do some things that are not fun. And most of the time, the things that I don't want to do become my biggest blessings. When I face these certain things and challenges that I don't want to, like the amends process that I went through, um, you know, those are some of my greatest memories of actually standing up and and looking people in the eye and saying, look, I, I wronged you. How do I make this right? Yep. Developing that in my life and that and operating under that principle has been tremendously positive, you know? And, and so I really love recovery and, and I'm so grateful to have overcome what I feel sometimes are insurmountable challenges. Like it's never going to end, you know, I'm, you know, it's, 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 it's crazy that some of these things, you know, there's still some pain sometimes, you know, I'll, I'll, uh, I'll be trying to do something and I'm met with resistance because of, you know, that, that history there and, and people still have uh, questions about it. Um, but the, the truth is that about that whole thing is I, I was able to start a treatment center that helped a lot of people and continues to help a lot of people and people find gainful employment through that facility, um, which is a, which is incredible for a guy like me who came to Arkansas with a suitcase full of clothes and a criminal record. Amazing. You know what I mean? Like, I, you know, and, and so I, uh, I'm grateful for that separation, right? Cause it led to what I'm doing today and I I'm remarried and I have, the most wonderful, amazing woman, uh, as a partner. And she's my biggest cheerleader, man. And she, um, a lot of the, some of the, a lot of the things about what I was just talking about have come from her and helping me like uh, process. And she's got, you know, a, a two beautiful, uh, daughters who are my stepchildren, 13 and five. And so I'm surrounded, I'm surrounded by women <laughs> and in, in that is a, a book <laughs> topic in, in and of itself sure. and, and how to find peace and, and, and right. that. Uh, <laughs> no, we had a lot of fun, man. And, um, 
I think listening to you talk is it's, you know, recovery uh, in, in energy and enthusiasm can be found in the mundane because Mm -hmm. as an overdose survivor, I could have missed all of this. Right. 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 And for me to sit here and think I'm bored or I'm looking around and, you know, things aren't, things aren't right. Things aren't the way they should be. I can get into that and that's a negative space. Right. But, but what I want to kick in is the fact that, you know, we survived addiction. We are in recovery today. And my real problems today are me resisting the principles of uh, recovery. When I resist, that's when I have a problem. And that, and, and that's really, that's really it, you know? And, um, my, my heart hurts that you haven't been able to be a light in, uh, your, your kid's eyes, but I hold out the hope and have seen things, um, happen that, that are beyond our imagination. And so, you know, like, finding balance in that is hard finding acceptance in that is hard. And it's just putting one foot in front of the other Yeah, and, and, and building yourself up. You, I mean, yeah. still walking 10 miles out, still have, you know, still, yeah. still walking out of that, at that, the, the woods, you know? Yeah, absolutely. And the acceptance is key. It is. It, that's, that's all there is to it. And once I was able to do that, you know, I'm going to go watch my son play, uh, play, uh, uh, minor league, uh, uh, little league people should just say t-ball but it's not t-ball it's above that um on monday and uh i'm looking forward to doing that i mean they he's like if you want to come you can come dad you can come watch i i, I don't care and that was the first time that was kind of like a let's see I, I dropped off some baseball and basketball cards to him a few weeks ago and it was i put him on the porch took off ran hopped in the vehicle uh, that brought me in and took off well they happened to see me run by the window or whatever but I'm doing what's what what I feel they need to have done and I'm not going to push them. I'm going to show patience and it's working out. And it's it's important for people to know that have lost those connections that all I could do is continue to stay sober and 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 do the next right thing. I know it sounds cliché and so easy to do, but it is the next right thing. Uh one thing I I wanted to mention so, too Sometimes the next right thing is the hardest next thing though, right? It, it, it's yeah. Yeah, the hardest thing is to talk to a voicemail every time I call them. I'd call them every night, and they didn't. If they didn't want to talk, I would leave. Their mom told me she's been great. I, I give her nothing but um, praise for doing this alone while I'm trying to get my crap together. And when I was not trying to, she had to do it on her own. And uh, she's an amazing mom as far as that goes. And she said she would play the voicemails for the boys every time. So I talked to a voicemail for months and months and months and months and months. Hey, boys, it's dad. Just want to know how your day goes. I, I went, um, love you. How's this going? How's that doing? I love you. Goodbye. I'll, I'll call you tomorrow. And I had to accept that that's all I could do, but I was doing something. And it may not have felt like a lot, but once I was able to listen to what the hell other people were telling me, that that was all I could do and accept that, it became a lot easier. And 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 that's those are the kind of messages that I think that are important for people to hear. And, and you going to Peru to climb a mountain to you know, uh, to, to deal with this thing, you know, uh, drastic changes take drastic work. Right. So, I mean, that's what you had to do to get through it. 
me, my thing that people would be like, well, that's kind of weird. How does that? I go out at three o'clock in the morning when the road's dead and the stars are out and it's quiet and there's nothing but, you know, well, finally the frogs are chirping again here in Michigan, but there's nothing but the wildlife to hear and just sit in silence and listen to the fire crackle. That's what I need to do. And some people think that's weird. It's three o'clock in the morning. You should be asleep. You know, get on a schedule. Well, I'm doing what I got to do right to find that inner peace. And if you got to go climb a mountain in Peru, that's what you got to do. And, and it, it, it's not, it, it, things like simple, it can be something as simple as you sit here and you talk to yourself, you got the shitty committee going off in your head and you're like, I can't lay down. I got things I got to do. Well, when you're in the thick of this thing and your mind is going six ways from Sunday on, on everything to lay down and sleep for a couple hours Rest can be recovery and you just got to let it go and, and do the things that you have to do to, to make it right. Yeah, no, I, we're, we can get into running a hundred miles an hour and forget to breathe. So I love that you get out there and listen to the sounds of nature and connect, um, you know, being, especially being in the virtual space, uh, you know, we can, you know, finding connection um, to, nature is one of the things that I, I love doing. Um, man, I, uh, I appreciate what you're doing. And I love that, um, you know, going to, to T-ball and, and, you know, and not forcing it. I love hearing you say that because I need to hear that. I need to hear that. And, and I can apply that in a different situation in my life, you know, sure. to, to, to remember that the universe is working, man. Yeah. And, and the universe has our best interest when we, when we can surrender to the fact and say, look, I can't do this alone and please help me. And when you say the next right thing is, is sometimes the most challenging thing is it's, it's not running out there on the field and like trying to force it. Like, Hey, I want to be, you know what I mean? Like yeah. it's, it's, my- doing this, yeah. it's doing this small, repeated, meaningful things. You know, I mean, in the interest of time, I know you probably have other things to do today, but I'd like to share a story about my yeah, dad. Yeah, please. Sure. My dad um, passed away during the pandemic because of lung cancer and alcoholism. And if you've ever had to watch someone or say goodbye to someone that is uh, dying from alcoholism, it is not pretty. It is not pretty because of the circumstances that are present aren't just with the physical health, right? My dad didn't have anything. He didn't, he didn't, he didn't have anything. And in his name, no, no, no house, no truck. It just, um, it was very, very devastating. And, you know, this is a man that, you know, really attempted to try, uh, throughout his life. I mean, he, I remember him teaching, uh, or coaching little league, you know, my, my baseball team. And, um, he used to, you know, take me fishing and introduce me to those, uh, uh, experiences. And then, you know, alcoholism took over my life, his life, my sister's life, and my mom's left to, um, try to manage all of this, you know, in, in the Mm -hmm. family. But anyway, so when I, when I got sober, we, uh, it it was a difficult relationship to manage between him and I, and I did my men's thing and, and 
<clears throat> what I want to say is sometimes there's, I mean, there's a lot of layers to this stuff, you know, the, the father and the son relationship, Oh yeah. just because, just because I passed that first layer doesn't mean there's not going to be another one underneath it and another one underneath it that I'm going to have to face at some point. And, and I wasn't aware of that until I'm like right in the mix of it. And so, you know, just in the interest of time, you know, he, he hurt my sister in some kind of business deal. And, um, she was also at the time trying to get out of a toxic relationship that was, uh, destructive. And, you know, I really, really got mad and I let the hate flow through me. Sure. <laughs> uh, you know, Mark Twain used to write like scathing, hateful letters to people and, uh, he would give them to his wife to send, but she'd never send them, you know? And there's a lot of healing in that. Like there don't is. send the email, write it out. Don't send it. But in this, I made a mistake and uh, I didn't feel like it was a mistake of time. I think he needed to know. That's what I was like. Um, and so I sent this letter to his mailbox and, you know, it was, it was a devastating letter and um, it did what I wanted it to do and it hurt him. <clears throat> and we didn't, we didn't, you know, I, I, uh, I amputated him out of my life. You know, and here I am in in recovery and um, just became resentful and bitter towards him. And, uh, you know, people would people would come up to me and say, you got to you got to solve this. You know, it's starting to come in and start starting to present in other areas of your life. And this resentment starting to take a toll on you. And I'd be like in my pride, you know, bow up and say, you know, whatever. And so finally, somebody uh, shared something in a meeting that that I I was willing to try. They what they did to help with their resentment was they sent their sister letters once a week about their favorite memories together growing up. And I thought, you know, that's positive. I need some of that. And so I went to Target, got some, got a handful of uh, letters cards, and I started sending my dad. Uh, a letter like once a week and thanking him and being sharing gratitude. Right. And uh, about, you know, him taking me fishing, um, introduced me to the Red Wings. Cause that's, they're from uh, Michigan. Oh, yeah. You know, my, yep. my mom and my dad were, and I still have a lot of family up there by the way. Um, and, you know, coaching literally and all these like positive experiences that we did. And I, I didn't say anything else. I just shared positivity. And what happened to me was I was being cleaned from the inside out of that. I was being purged of that resentment. And I started, you know, seeing the human and, and that my, my dad is. And, um, you know, he, he sent me a text one day saying that the Thursdays were his favorite day of the week because he would get that letter, you know? And anyway, so that relationship still had boundaries, but it was restored. And, you know, uh, two, two years later, he's no longer with us. He he, he didn't stop, you know, he continued to be who he was in that, in that. Um, but I didn't hate him like I did. And so here's, here's the really cool thing. And I know this is a long story, but it's, it's good. No, you're good. When I found out that he had been diagnosed with lung cancer, um, 
you know, I, one of the, one of the days that I went to visit him, you know, he was like, he was excited that he was going to like cook this stew for, for us when we, when we went and visited him. And when I got there, I realized that he hadn't left bed in two weeks and mm. there's black mold all over the place. He's, you know, got an oxygen tank and he had kept all that from me. And, um, you know, he was probably three, three in that moment, he was, you know, going to die. And very quickly there, you know, he was in a relationship with a, with a woman who, um, he was the caretaker of, she had, you know, was missing limbs and then confined to a wheelchair. Hmm. And, you know, so none of the house was kept there's, and I'm being graphic because this is, this is what happens at the end of life with when it, in respect to alcoholism, sometimes sure. I mean, there's dog shit on the floor. Uh, it was, it was a mess. And thankfully um, a friend of mine, allowed me to take him and put him up in his motel where he could receive hospice. And, you know, my sister came in from Oregon and, you know, we, we were there at the end of his life uh, together. And, and I got to hold his hand while he went to the other side and he was extremely angry and he was extremely afraid um, during that time, but he wasn't alone. Right. And I got to hold his hand and tell him I love him and how much I appreciate him. Hmm. And when I went to his girlfriend's house where he lived to, to get whatever stuff he had to, to clean out, um, you know, I dropped a box and my sister picked up all of those letters that he had saved and cherished. They were, wow. they were there. He saved them, you know, and, and those were his prize. And Had I not taken that suggestion and overcome that resentment that I had and was able to let go, Scott, I wouldn't have been there. I wouldn't have cared. My pride and ego and resentment would have uh, said things like, screw him. He did these things to me. I don't care that he's gone. You know what I mean? I I know exactly what you mean. That's why for me, it's important for me not to harbor anything, man. Cause I don't know what life's going to blindside me with. And, and God, I can't tell you how grateful I am to uh, have held his hand and loved on him in those last moments. Cause he needed his son there in that. <laughs> and if I had that resentment, I'm telling you right now, it wouldn't. Be. And, and, and so what I'm doing today, these creating these positive ripples and being intentional. I don't know what's going to happen down the road, but I know it's going to be positive. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah. And we, we have to have that, man. Uh, your, your story hits kind of close to home. And the first point I'll, I'll talk about real quick is when you, when the <clears throat> box was dropped and the envelopes came out, you know, and he'd save those things. Um, you know, you didn't, you didn't really realize you know, how important those were necessarily. Uh, Last night I had a conversation with my stepsister and it turns out, you know, I had like no relationship with my dad or her or my sister or brother or whatever. turns out they know all about me. And it turns (laughs) out I had grandparents that were keeping baseball clippings on their refrigerator. And I, I can count on one hand how many times I went to their house. And so that was like, wow, you know, uh, 
I've been missing out on something maybe. And then you, you talk about sending these letters. Um, so I, I pride myself on this podcast when I speak that I'm as authentic as possible. And if it sounds rude, you know, I mean, nobody knows the situation, but I will say to be as authentic and honest as possible right now, my relationship with my mother, I cannot stand her. And I try my best never to use the word hate with anybody. But if there's a person on the planet that I would use that word for, it would be that. So I'm hearing you tell these things, you know, and, you're talking about, you know, sending these these postcards with all these good memories. And I'm like, okay, I am willing to go to any lengths to rid myself of resentment and negativity and live a positive and healthy life. I'm willing to go to any length to do it, you know, and, and, and I'm, I'm, I'm listening to you and I'm, I'm, you know, just trying to like, what would I say? And I, I, none come to mind. Uh, you know, they're all crap but I'm sure there's something in there. And, and so it's something I'm going to, I'm going to consider. Um, you know, I, I, there are podcasts that have never made it to the, the interwebs. They're just sitting here because they were podcasts that I just got on and I talked myself one to my ex-wife and then one about my dad and the situation going on there. Um, and, and those are, those are helpful. Um, but I will consider doing what you did um, because you can hear the piece in your voice, you know, um, I have, I have been, and in fact, I've talked about it in recent weeks, uh, with people close to me that if my mom passed tomorrow, eh, I, I don't know if that's true. That might be, as you said, me puffing out my chest and then trying to be a man, like I, it won't bother me. I don't know if that's going to be a true or not. And, you know, my, my sobriety and recovery is, is worth more to me than to, to carry a grudge to somebody that, um, you know, if they, if they mean as little as they do to me, then why, why do I hate them so much? You know what I mean? So I, I'm going to consider that. So I appreciate you sharing that story. And, uh, yeah. um, that'll be something that I'll consider, man. I mean, it really helped me. Um, and, and I'm glad that, I mean, I can't, it's crazy how, um, spot on that hit you and related yeah. to you. Uh, it was, it was... <laughs> Yeah, it, uh, I, uh, you know, I like I said, I haven't had a relationship with my dad last night, but you always don't know what's going on in the background. I found out last night, um, I'd always known that my dad had seen his mom pass. He was there when that happened. A piece of farm equipment fell on her. But I found out last night that um, he was in the piece of equipment that got jammed and she was trying to help and the hydraulics gave out and it crushed her while he was in it. And mm. his dad, his dad just passed away. It'd be my grandpa but I, I don't know the man um, he passed. And I found out last night that he blamed my dad basically from the day it happened till he passed mm-hmm. Blame my dad for doing that. And, you know, so this guy has been distant. He doesn't show emotion. He, you know, he's just, he's an introvert. And I, I found myself crying last night. Cause it's like, Jesus, I, how does somebody, handle that your own father you know what i mean that's for a different time but you don't know what's going on and so i really i dude it's it's really inspiring and and i appreciate you sharing that uh so much because you know you, you show up and you didn't look what your dad was hiding you know to to protect you in a way sure he was doing all these other things but he was trying to protect you from from that worry and that exposure to that so very powerful stuff man very powerful stuff 
all right well you know what i i let's let's wrap it up um and um you know leave it with that powerful moment i think that's that's something that people can walk away from and and consider i am going to i i will make this promise that i am going to write at least one postcard to my mother and i'm going to send it out one positive thing and i will then go from there because at the end of the day i don't want to carry this crap anymore so that's that's what it's all about it's clearing out the wreckage and blockage in our spiritual arteries so we can be the people that we want to be and become. Um, and it's, I, so hearing that other guy talk about the postcards and then me applying it. And now you're potentially, you, you've just committed. I did not. This is not a potentially thing you're going to go. Do no, no, this is, this so is going to see happen. how it works. Like, I mean, it, it it's just crazy. And, and that and it's, that, all about healing. it's all it about is. healing and allowing ourselves to let that light in. Yeah. Even when be, we want to protect ourselves because it hurts and we're scared or there's a lot of pain involved in that. I mean, yeah. the, 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 the father son relationship, the mother son relationship, mother daughter, no, those, those seem to be the most stickiest when it comes to, um, you know, having, you know, whatever, whatever kind of, painful experiences. Um, and, and let me say, I, it, I've made multiple passes through the process on just that one relationship, you know, yeah. it takes what it takes, It does. but it's all about, it's all about getting us to a place where, um, we can be a conduit of love. Right. On. And that's the goal, man. Should positivity, love, and hope just to have a right. glimmer of hope in my life is, is keeping me alive and keeping me, uh, sober today. So I, I thank you for bringing your hope uh, to the podcast and, and dude, it, 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 keep doing what you're doing, man. I, I, people check out Wi-Fi, uh, Wellfi. Jesus, might as well say it, right? Check out Wellfi. Um, you know, uh, find me on Twitter. I can point you in the right direction uh, and you're, you're doing a great thing, dude. And you know, there, there needs, there needs to be more humans like you, man. Um, the peer support thing, uh, I'm I'm going to do my best to to try to be involved in something like that here, um, and uh, just thanks so much for coming on and, and and spending this time with me, man. This is probably the longest podcast I've had, but uh, you know, I I could sit here for two more hours and we could discuss. But um, thank you again, man. Just thank you very. I much. I appreciate you so much. Keep doing this. All right, buddy. Well, you have a great day, man. Best wishes to you and your family. And uh, we will catch up and I'll let you know how the postcard goes. How I feel. Yeah, I I need to hear that. All right, man. Take care, Chris. Thank you so much. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.